I got my annual flu shot this week. I knew it was coming, so I rolled up my sleeve on my left arm. That's where I wanted it. When the nurse came over with the needle, she asked me, are you right-handed or left-handed? I said, I'm right-handed. That's why I want it here. She says, too bad. It's better for you if it goes in your right arm because you move it and it won't get stiff and it'll help you. So I'm sticking you there. So here we go. I got the shot. I hardly felt it. And you know what? She was right. It never even became sore. And I hope I don't get the flu this season. Too bad there's not a vaccine to protect us against all the things that keep us from being stronger and healthier Christians. Too bad there's not a vaccine against the infection of selfishness. You know, when the idea emerges within us that everything is about us and what's mine is mine and we forget how generous God calls us to be. Too bad there's not a vaccine against that. Too bad there's not a vaccine against bitterness. When the world gets really small and we view everything with shadows over it, and there's that powerful image of shadows in that anthem. Shadows flavor everything, and we forget God's presence, and we forget God's promises, and those shadows then also pre prevent us from living with grace and goodness and love and service. Bitterness can affect everything about us. Too bad there's not a vaccine against grudges. As we move through our days, you know what? Things happen to us, and people hurt us, and grudges emerge, and they flavor, they dampen everything we're about. Our passage today is from Colossians chapter 3. Some really wonderful words of encouragement and instruction. Listen, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and meekness and patience, bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body, and be thankful. This is the word of the Lord. There's no vaccine to empower us to live like that. There's no vaccine to protect us from all that would deter us from living like that faithfully. We have to keep working at it. We have to keep helping each other with this. Those words encourage us in our relations with others. And at the centerpiece of this little passage has to do with bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Just as God has forgiven you, so you also must forgive, it says. If we're to live successfully and if we're ever to know freedom and joy as God's people, away from the shadows, away from the bitterness, away from the burden of grudges, there are six words that must be 
a regular part of our vocabulary, and Ginger already said them. I am sorry, and I forgive you. Six words. If we lack the ability to say, I am sorry, life will be immeasurably more difficult than it needs to be. We keep seeing that over and over in this election season. And if we cannot bring ourselves to say, I forgive you, well, life will be filled with bitterness and pain. The word of the week is forgiveness. Forgiveness is central to our lives of faith and discipleship. Too bad there are no vaccines against bitterness and grudges and frustration from our relationships. We're called as God's chosen people to clothe ourselves with compassion and meekness and patience. Forgive each other, bear with one another as God has forgiven you. We're called to live this way, forgiving each other, because this is the way God lives with us. It comes from God. First lesson reminds us, happy are those whose transgression is forgiven. Happy are those who experience the release from the shadows, from the bitterness. Happy are those who delight in the forgiveness and the grace that comes from God. When we're able to say, I'm sorry, when we're unable to forgive day and night, when we're unable to say we're sorry, when we're unable to say we forgive day and night, our quote, as the psalm says, heavy, and our strength dries up. Yet throughout the scriptures, we learn God is rich in mercy and God's abounding in steadfast love. And God says, let me lift the burden from you. God leads us out of the shadows. God leads us into the light through forgiveness. It's all about that God says, this is the way it is. And this is the way you are to live. The way to freedom and joy through forgiveness. So, how do we forgive? How does it happen? I want to try in this brief sermon to give some helpful words about forgiveness, and I want to try to encourage forgiveness as we think about the small things that happen to us and then the larger issues that come into our lives. In life, in bearing with one another and forgiving each other, there are certainly smaller issues like irritating words that come from a friend or a colleague, like annoying insults that might uh, emerge through your family, maybe a painful memory that weighs you down. These things happen as we live in our families, as we live in relationships. Sometimes people are not even aware that they hurt us or refuse to acknowledge that the incident hurt us. Sometimes the folks that hurt us will not ever even think about asking for forgiveness, so we have to find the capacity within ourselves and by God's grace to let it go, forgive, and move on. How do we do it? How do we not let bitterness and grudges grow? How do we uh, move closer toward compassion and kindness and meekness and patience like this passage talks about when we keep holding on to grudges, when we let bitterness rise and grow between us, life dries up. That's what the psalmist confirms. Life gets heavy. The shadows creep more and more and affect how we see everything. So for these regular, ongoing, irritating issues that arise with others, one approach might be captured in the acronym RAP. R-A-P. 
The first step is to remember. Remember your own shortcomings. We're really good at recognizing and remembering the assaults and the faults of others. And we're really good at forgetting or uh, minimizing our own ways. We need to pause and we need to assess how we are often hurtful and annoying and offensive. And when we remember that, grace can grow and we can move on from the hurts that come from others. Recently, one of my brothers and I had a little spat. He got his feelings hurt by something that I did and I didn't even know about. So he lashed out at me. And you know who, you can, who can get under your skin quicker than anyone is your siblings, right? He did that in response. He lashed out and it really dug at me, hurt my heart. So I lost touch with him for a couple of months. I kept thinking about what he said to me and I didn't want to talk to him. And then I started thinking about some of the things that I've done. Started remembering the things that I've said in some way that were real pain to my siblings, something that upset this brother, or something that left me a little bit alienated from my sister. And all these things are relatively small because we have wonderful relationships and deep connections, but it takes work and it takes forgiveness when we remember our own failings and shortcomings in dealing with others when we don't uh, dwell on uh, what that person did and focus on compassion and kindness and forgiveness, then we see things differently. It's all put in a different light and it moves us closer to bearing with one another and forgiving each other. In that incident, that's what happened. And quickly, the stuff was forgotten and it fell away and all is well again. Remember our own shortcomings. The second step in rap is assume. Assume the very best from others. Maybe the insult, the incident, the uh, offense that happened emerged because of something going on in that person's life, happening in that person's heart. Perhaps some people seem so quick to insult or so ready to uh, come up with a hurtful gesture, but most folks, we know this, most folks are affected by their relationships and their actions uh, emerge out of what's going on in their own lives. What's happening in our hearts usually plays out directly in how we treat one another. Maybe the mean man in the grocery store has just experienced the loss of his wife. Maybe the difficult issue that manifested itself at work is rooted in some stressful situation in the life of a person at work and it's playing out in your workplace. Our actions, our words often reflect many of the things that are happening in our lives. And we, when we assume the best of others, we can move toward grace. We can move toward forbearance. So we can find energy to love and forgive. It, it begins to well up within us whether they ask for it, for it or not, whether they know how much they hurt us or not. We can assume the best in others and the bitterness and the grudges tend to fall away and we can move toward freedom and joy and life, which is what God intends for all of us. 
The third step in RAP, R-A-P, following uh, remembering your own shortcomings and assuming the best is P, prayer. We can pray for those who hurt us. Prayer connects us to God and prayer connects us to this one who keeps forgiving us. Prayer often connects us to the strength and the power of God when we need it most. Prayer often changes us, how we think, how we love, how we act, how we see the world. When we pray sincerely for others, even those who hurt us, our hearts begin to change. Jesus knew this. He said it, pray for your enemies. He said, pray for those who persecute you. He knew that in doing that, you would be changed as you do it, as you pray. God generates compassion and kindness and patience with us when we pray sincerely. When we pray, we see people differently with empathy and understanding. When we pray, we may be prompted to interact differently and faithfully. So wrap. It's a small process that helps us avoid bitterness and grudges. It moves us to deeper faithfulness. It leads us to more sincere lives as disciples. R-A-P. Remember, assume the best and pray. This can lead us to forgiveness, especially in those things that crop up in the daily encounters of our lives that tend to disorient us, that tend to get us off track invade our relationships it can help us so you must forgive scripture says now for sure there are often other larger issues that truly overwhelm us change our lives prove most destructive to us how do you forgive for example a loved one who betrayed you so deeply that your own life turned in unexpected and unpredictable ways and you're still trying to recover can you even forgive how does someone forgive a drunk driver whose delinquent action took the life of your loved one can you even forgive how does someone not dwell in bitterness in grudges when a trusted relationship turns out to reveal years of violation years of scheming against you can you even forgive let me be clear to say that forgiveness does not ever mean condoning what happened not ever forgiveness is about moving forward trying to find a way in a new reality forgiveness means letting go of the idea of getting even and trying to find a way to get on without the bitterness and hurt that can cloud everything about life. First, forgiveness in these kinds of life-changing hurts takes time, maybe a long time. The grief, the anger, the bitterness that emerge in these kind of major incidents can be absolutely overwhelming. And along the way, when these things happen, we have to decide if this incident, this circumstance, this hurtful event is also going to destroy my life. That's the question 
you have to ask. Is it going to destroy your spirit? Is it going to destroy you? Or can we find some way to let go of the anger and pain and move toward forgiveness and then find the freedom and the release that Psalm 32 talks about and that God intends for all of us? We have to, over time, with God's help and the encouragement of others, decide if we're going to be bitter or we're going to be better because of what happened. We have to, through prayer and the care of others, open to God's Spirit, working on our spirits, open to God's love, working through all of our tears and hurt, open to God's peace, working on our anger, and strive to move to a better place. In many cases, it may mean redirecting or refocusing our energy. Instead of wallowing in bitterness and pain, we apply ourselves to some new angle on life. I know many of those who lost a loved one to the horrible circumstances of gun violence focus their energies and efforts on preventing more gun violence upon others. Those who lost loved ones to a drunk driver, for example, might work harder to stem the tide of drunk driving deaths and fatalities in our culture. Those whose lives were devastated by major mistrust find new places, new purposes that help in the healing. Time. It takes time. Second, over and over, Jesus keeps saying, you are to forgive. Jesus expects forgiveness from our lives. It's our way. It's the way to freedom. It's the way to joy. It's the way to purpose. It's the way to life. And in all these larger incidents that might come upon us, forgiveness means giving up the right to get even. Letting God deal with that. Giving up the idea of retribution. That belongs to God. Bitterness covers us as long as we desire to get even or gain retribution. Compassion, kindness, patience, forgiveness stay bottled up as long as we desire retribution. Yet it always takes time and it takes an openness to the power and the grace of God. It takes the help and encouragement of community, sincere care for one another. All this moves us from bitterness and pain to freedom and joy and life. Bishop Desmond Tutu wrote an awesome book with a great title, There is No Future Without Forgiveness. It's about his personal experiences with the devastating effects of apartheid in his country of South Africa. The devastating effects of injustice, debilitating oppression that he faced, and the traumatic and untold violence of apartheid. Grudges, hatred, bitterness, unforgiveness, Tutu says, is like acid. They ruin the containers they are in. Ruin the people and the containers that they're poured in. 
grudges, bitterness, unforgiveness, retribution. It ruins us. I like the way Frederick Beekner also puts it, and I quote, When you forgive somebody who has deeply wronged you, you are spared the dismal corrosion of bitterness and wounded pride. When we set aside the hot coals of hatred, when we put down the passionate desire for revenge, that is when God can work in us. There's no future without forgiveness. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and meekness and patience. Bear with one another. And as God has forgiven you, forgive one another. We're to forgive. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and renew a right spirit within us, so loved and forgiven by your amazing grace. Strengthen us so we can love and live with forgiveness all our days, following Christ our Lord. Amen.